And welcome back to the Fox Sports Rugby Podcast. I'm Sean Maloney, and it has been too long, too long since we've been all up in your ears. We are sorry on behalf of the gang. We are sorry it's taken so long to get the pod up and running again. But with the Bledisloe knocking on the door, today we are in the groove. And Sam Worthington comes back into the fold. And he is joined by a man all the way from NZ in the form of Hamish P. Well, Hamish, welcome to you, friend. Thank you, Sean. Nice to be here. Great to have a Kiwi voice. Actually, we've got two Kiwi voices this week, were they? Because you're going to fly the flag for the All Blacks. I will be, yeah. Some would say I've got a bit of a hybrid accent now. I'm not too sure. It's hard to, hard to be the judge of what my accent. What are you accent. Is, is, it, is he losing... No, I haven't detected it, no. Okay. <laughs> right, okay. Guys, we'll get into the letters in just a second. First up, though, we have to recap what has been a huge two weeks in the world of rugby. Rio, sevens arrived, and it took the joint by absolute storm. It was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was hard to know how it was going to be received over there, but it, apart from the crowds not being quite at capacity, I think most people thought the spectacle was good, and um, yeah, I guess the story of Fiji capturing uh, the world's imagination for that day, I think it was the number one trending topic on Google, so yeah, I, I think you can say with a reasonable amount of confidence they'll probably have Rugby Sevens back in the, the next Olympiad. Hamish, um, what was your take on it? Your did you watch it? Did you watch it? and get what you wanted them to get. We're champion naval gazers in New Zealand. We don't get where we are in rugby by caring about other people. So we are all in the depths of despair. Where did it all go wrong? Who is to blame? Um, yeah, New Zealand didn't send, frankly, a very strong men's team, and the performances were poor. And the fact that they have All Blacks attached to the name rather than the New Zealand Sevens team actually wounds people, um, and they feel that the the all-black brand, which is so sacrosanct, has been sort of tarnished by uh, failing on the world stage. So they're going to have to go away, that's New Zealand rugby, and have a think about what they stand for and where seven sits, because it's not a good look. Well, hang on a second. Hang on a second. What, I, don't, I don't... Like, they've they've gone up. They've got bounced out by Fiji in a quarter-final. I mean, I know they went down to Japan, but eventually, the the ones who delivered the final blow was Fiji. There's no shame in losing to Fiji, the eventual champion, surely in the men's side. No, well, the... The program's been sort of not in great shape for a while and there were hopes that top-tier All Blacks would make themselves available. Um, they didn't. Only Sonny Bill was just wanting to be involved. I mean, yet others like Artie Savia have a look and say, it's not for me. Whether he was told to get out and concentrate on 15s is by the by. But the fact is, um, you know, there was another experienced player like Kurt Baker who was left out after allegedly not um, being on the same wavelength as the coach Gordon Titchen. So, yeah the program was poor and needs looking yeah. at. And probably a touch of arrogance really because they Absolutely. don't they don't have a centralised uh, training base like, like Australia picked up I think two, three years ago at, at Narrabeen where they've been living and breathing it day in, day out, training together and that paid off in dividends with the uh, the women's gold obviously. Uh, the men's not so flash. Um, but yeah, the, the women, uh, they were clearly the you know most well-drilled women's team there and, and attracting athletes from all sorts of different sports as well which uh, which really paid off for them. I want to obviously get to the Aussie women's side. Our gold medal winning Aussie women's side in just a second. Their opponents in the big one were New Zealand. Now, the New Zealand women's sevens coach, Sean Horan, came out ahead of that final, speaking via one of your uh, one of your media organisations back home, Hamish. And 
he almost incited the Aussie side. What were your thoughts around that? Uh, he's a Horan. Uh, people from Wellington, where I'm from, will know the Horans. His father, Kevin, actually coached North Sydney here for a while, but he, he was a famously combative, abrasive sort of a bloke um, as a player and, and what he said. And Sean, uh, the apple hasn't fallen f- fall too far from the tree. So he, yeah, we generally try and talk it down and play it up when we actually on the field, but the, he, yeah. He got that one wrong. I'm all, I'm, all for, I'm all for, and I'm sure you guys are too, as men who work day to day dealing with sporting cliche after sporting cliche. It's so nice to see someone open up a touch and tell it how it is. But perhaps he he told it in the wrong way because he had a shot at the Aussies' ability to handle the pressure and the physicality. And if there's one thing that the Aussie women's seven side has shown over the last two years is that they are well and truly up to it on both those fronts. And their coach Tim Walsh did such a good job uh, in a mental frame as well to have their side prepared. It was never going to happen, Hamish. No, they've been a class apart and they've proved that for a couple of years and New Zealand punched to their weight and Australia punched to theirs and I, it was an odd comment from Sean. Yeah, that's the funny thing that about it in the end that Sevens is un- so unpredictable but the two best teams did win in the end, Fiji and, and Australia and the women so I don't think anyone can have uh, two bigger arguments there. We saw a few surprises with Great Britain going really well in the men's and, and winning a silver medal against expectations. But, uh, yeah, for such a seemingly a, a bit of a lottery of a sport, that the two best teams certainly won gold. And I just love seeing uh, the the absolute joy that was shared through social media around the Aussie women's seven side. Getting it done, we had girls running into school the next day with their hair in the double braid looking like Charlotte. There were others who, who were just overwhelmed by the fact that the women's side had got it done and is going to do such great things for the game in this country. We need it, Hamish. Yeah, I just think um, it's a great vehicle to sell rugby to the world and to hopefully sell it to to schools in Australia and encourage female athletes to to veer towards rugby because it's just... I mean, I I don't want to go off onto it in rugby league, but the Gillaroos, again, I mean, they're they're a similar game. The, 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 The endeavour that they play with, the physicality... It's the same thing with the Sevens Rugby. That, that hopefully a, a whole new group of athletes are going towards these contact sports. It's so nice. Uh, as a dad of a little five-year-old girl, now she has role models in the form of Chloe Dalton and the rest to look up to if she wants one day to be able to go on and represent Australia in the Olympics. And I think you're right, Were though. I think Sevens Rugby is there to stay at an Olympic level. I think so. Are you happy for your little girl to be out there running around getting smacked? Are you, are you comfortable with it? Well, if she wants to do it, I mean, it's... It, she, that's what she wants to do, then she can she can get into it. But that's the beauty of sevens as well. It's, only, it's so limited, the um, the repetitiveness of tackling and that kind of thing. So it's what makes it such an attractive proposition, I reckon, to uh, all people from all shapes and all walks. It is a lot yeah. of fun. And great news on the back of that with uh, the fact that the Aussie women's team is going to be sort of headlining the Sydney sevens next year, which Brilliant. was such a good event uh, in year one. So, yeah, great, great for the profile. And they're such good people. The Aussie side are such good people, men's and women's, but um, having had a lot to do with the women's over the years, they are just such beautiful uh, people, and to see them get their gold is awesome. So that's that wrapped up. Now we can turn our attention to more Australia v New Zealand. Bledisloe won. Hamish, tell us, what's your feel around it? What are you picking up from the All Blacks? They're quite edgy. They don't normally do edgy. There's sort of a quiet conference about them usually, but their record in Sydney is, is poor. Um, they have pretty thin pool of talent in midfield, which got um, thinner yesterday when George Moala uh, went out with a knee injury. So, 
Yeah, I, I don't know what it's like from an Australian point of view. We might, they might find, find us insufferable and arrogant, but I don't think there's much of that in the New Zealand camp this week because no, I think they're genuinely anxious about this one. Okay, so we're recording this Wednesday morning. Team's yet to be announced. George Mawala out as you touch on. What do you think's a likely midfield combination? Oh, it'll be Crotty and Fekitoa. Uh, the only other person in the squad who can play midfield is Anton Leonard-Brown, and he's uncapped and, frankly, hasn't done much. At any level. So, he, yeah, it's those two. Um, Fikitoa's form has been average this year. Crotty's dependable. He's not a world beater, but he's not likely to make a howler that costs you a test match. So, um, yeah, the, the question mark will be over Fikitoa and his ability to, um, to to rise to levels he played at last year and also sort of eliminate some of the errors that have crept into his game. His hands haven't been that good. He's made some bad decisions flying up on defence, which someone like Israel Folau will kill him for. Yeah, some interesting sort of subplots uh, to this one. The All Blacks coming over very early, which was a bit surprising, spending the full week over here in Sydney and then make the kick um, in the Wallabies camp. I, I just find that fascinating because they're saying all the right things that he's not going to give away any trade secrets, but I think we can uh, take that with several grains of salt. Um, of course, he'll be you know giving some, some great insight into how, how the All Blacks operate. So, uh, yeah, I just find that fascinating, um, you know, watching them train and they're, they're working on their kicking game a lot more. Will they actually, I mean, you can't reinvent the, the, the wheel in, in a couple of weeks, so... Um, just, just how they approach it tactically will be fascinating. So what do you think that the new Aussie skills coach, Mick Byrne, formerly with New Zealand for many, many years, what could he actually do, though? What can he? What trade secrets can he pass on that are likely to benefit the Wallabies against the All Blacks? It'd just be really subtle little things, I, I guess, like, like maybe like play, yeah. players, like players, players, players' weak shoulders, you know, if they've got problems passing certain directions, how they... How they approach their kicking tactics. Um, yeah. I would imagine there'd be a level of analysis from a Wallaby side who would already have identified that prior to make the kick. Don't you yeah, reckon? I don't, yeah. It's a demystifying, right? So there's a mistake about the All Blacks because they rarely lose. And there's someone from within the camp who can make these guys more mortal. And that's not to say that they're gods or anything, but just, just you know, speak about them plainly, demystify them. And I think... If you don't fear people, or you don't respect them too much, you don't have them on a pedestal, then you're more likely to beat them, aren't you? Oh, that's true. That's true. And I think I reckon they'll get. I reckon the Wallabies will get more out of the fact that they've now got someone in there who can fine tune. Obviously, they've already got the skill sets, but to fine tune some of those skills to then enable them to perhaps get over the All Blacks this weekend. Weather looks like it might be good, fellas. How do you think the conditions will suit or benefit either of those two sides? I think they'll be both teams will be you know happy to for the sun to be shining all week and, and to play running rugby. That's you know the, both both countries that's in their DNA. So um, yeah, ho- hopefully the the weather holds and we can get a really great spectacle. It's going to be overshadowed by the Olympics. It's t- to be honest, that wouldn't be bad to just have this a week later so everyone could enjoy the Olympics and and then get into the rugby. So I'm not sure how ticket sales are going, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few empty seats. Um, and, and yeah, the, the, I think the Wallabies are right in this. Um, as we touched on, they've got a good record in, in Sydney. Um, guys like Ghetto and Guinea coming back make a huge, huge difference. So yeah, I wouldn't be stunned to see the Wallabies win this one. Their big issue is, is winning in New Zealand where there's two tests um, this year that they just can't seem to crack it in New Zealand. What's the attitude over here towards those guys coming back? Because, I mean, clearly the super teams didn't go that good this year. But you're bringing guys back from some... Like, some of the French rugby that I've seen is dreadful. It's You've bad. got terribly overweight guys lumbering about doing not much and then some overseas guys who are handy. But it's not a great level. And w- these guys are coming back at, in the twilight of their careers from not much. So what sort of level are they going to be at? I'll tell you what, they are... <laughs> 
fit as hell. Bumped into, had a catch up with uh, Drew Mitchell, Matt Giddo, and or Matty Tamil's obviously been here the duration, but particularly Drew and Matt looked super, super tuned up. So I know that the level they've been playing at might not have been that good. Maybe that serves them well, Hamish. Yeah. Maybe they're a little bit fresh. Well, so that's the whole thing of going guys. to Japan, isn't it? You don't get the, the, the wear and tear on the body, you that's come back right. in good nick. And they don't train. Um, I remember, who was it that came back? One of the guys came back, Drew, it might have been Drew yeah. came back and said that they just they, don't train. They literally don't do any physical contact at, at training. No one on one contact at training. Just play games. So but uh, they're still clearly the best in their positions. Will, Will Guinea is clearly the best halfback. Matt Ghetto, um we see Bernard Foley plays a, a lot better when there's a second playmaker, and, and Ghetto's obviously a, a smart operator. So yeah, they can't keep bringing these guys back um, forever. Um, but I think certainly this year and maybe next year um, that there's still a, plenty of life in, in, in those guys, and they'll make a big difference to the direction of the, the back line. One of the things that we found through the June series, Hamish, was not having Matt Ghetto there to steady the ship and perhaps just add a little bit more guidance and experience around some of the decision-making as well. Uh, having him back in that 12 position, I'm certain he'll start in 12, you know, um, bring him out all the way back to not run him out, uh, will do us wonders just to keep the level head on things. Uh, that's the thing with Conrad Smith being gone. It's not that what he did, it's what he said and what he saw. It, um, it's no secret, too, that Bowden Barrett's form's been sensational for the Hurricanes, but the big reason for that was he had James Marshall who behind him telling him what to look at and what was happening. Um, guys need people to give them a bit of help, don't they, as, as a pivot, and um, there's nothing wrong with that. And yeah, Ghetto's a great asset to the team, but is Cooper playing, do you guys think? I think he'll come off the bench. Right. Yeah. I, I think, think he'll come off the bench. He's sort of been earmarked for a possible Kirtley Beal type spark off the bench role. Um, that could, yeah, it's going to be rocks or diamonds, isn't it? It's, gonna, it's always interesting with uh, with Quaid on the field. So, But yeah. when you speak about players who've done not much in France, mm. I think Quaid would probably be the top of that list, not through any wrongdoing of his own, just that it was a game that was not suited to his approach to rugby. What happened with him in sevens? That didn't go that well either. I mean, he's, he's had a quite a quiet year all round, hasn't he? Or is he yeah. hasn't played much, Robert. Ready to pop now, buddy. Ready <laughs> to pop August 20. I reckon that's going to be uh, how it plays out. So, and the other thing as well, like you say, Hamish, the... The experience and the and the composure that those guys, even having them back in the squad, are going to force younger guys to come up a level. I think it's good all the way around. It's an interesting issue going forward. Um, it's something New Zealand has the luxury of being able to pick internally because there's such depth there they don't have to bring guys back. But it is tricky because these guys are at the end of long seasons that have got to be integrated physically into to the you know guys that are in the middle of their seasons. Um, and I know Zabos wrote quite a. Um, divisive article saying that it was the wrong move and that it was scathing. That it was yeah, that it was uh, blocking young players from coming through. But you've you've got to pick your best team. Surely, all the stuff about building for the next World Cup it's so far away. You, you, no, the, the Bledisloe Cup. You know what? I couldn't give a stuff about the next World Cup. Yeah. I want a Bledisloe now. In fact, you know what? I'd almost give away the World Cup final <laughs> last year to win this Bledisloe. That hey. is what that's it. it means. Yeah, that's what it means. But it's that's the, that's the, that's the problem with this thing is the way it is at the moment when Sam and I were younger and yourself um, that Eels, Greg and Larkham era was sort of was two tests Australia won one New Zealand won one we didn't win the Bledisloe Cup for years and yep. years and years and every game was a cliffhanger because it had so much on the line you don't want to get to a point where one team's always winning and the trophy never changes hands it just I don't want the All Blacks to lose but I'd I'd like there to be a real contest and a real anticipation You'd love to see about it. To, to, to another Absolutely. decider yeah. this year. This is a must win for Australia because they're not going to win twice in New Zealand, aren't they? You so, think so. so it's an absolute must win yeah. um, this weekend, and they'll know that as well. So I think there's all this nonsense about who the pressure's on during the week. Um, there's obviously 
pressure on both teams. It's a it's a big game, but I think I think Australia will realise they 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 must win this one. So that's a fair amount of pressure. Enjoyed your yarn uh, earlier this week or late last around Hansen and Checker. Mm. Yeah, tell us a little bit about Stephen Hansen and what it's like to uh, to follow him around and cover him off in the water rugby. He's a clever guy, and he um, uses his platform very wisely. And he premeditates what he wants to say. He doesn't often need a lot of prompting to go off on a particular tangent. Um, but he, his, uh, his, his verbal volleys re- really miss. And he's, I don't really. That's the thing. We assume that he's really niggled Checker, and he's under his skin. Whether he is or not, I don't know. But it's good that they're having a bit of banter, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, 100%. Enthused. Couldn't agree more. And I like it that Checker doesn't back down. He's not, like, going bananas or anything, but yeah. he's not being cowardly. He's answering back, and so he should. Yeah. He, he doesn't have to bow at Hanson's feet. No, no one does. Do you know what no, I mean? So, yeah. No, I think the more the merrier. Bring yeah. it on. No, you don't want to... St- slanging matches all the time yeah. but you want a bit of spice don't you and this thing about obviously Michael Checker got um, judged world rugby coach of the year last year and um, yeah Hanson's made a couple of sort of sly comments on that and that'll be you know sort of niggling away he, he, he'll think that he you know deserved that and um, you know you can make an argument either way can't you given, given nah, the Checker was the best coach given the, he, given took, the he took nothing and made it something Hanson right. had heaps and did yeah. heaps with it but that's yeah. a different thing yeah but yeah you can have a good argument about that, but um, I think I think that's definitely eating away at Hanson, and he he would love nothing more than to keep rubbing Checker's nose in it and keep making these slight little digs. And you throw the other the combustible um, England coach in the mix as well, and that just yeah. adds a little. It's like the little. It's like not an axis of evil, but it's an axis of the slanging almost. Yeah, it was was slangy axis. Was there some validity to what Hanson said about the June series and Checker's sort of quite response to I, Jones during that time? Do you know time? what? I don't... I don't uh, from the outside, uh, I don't... Th- he's not the sort of guy ever to get bullied. It would have been... Into, I feel his decision to not return fire to the England coach in yeah. any way, shape or form would have been would have been his own plan. He would have he would have thought it out and thought maybe this is the best way to go about it. Um, it might have come across that, that the other bloke got the better of it, but I think he would have stuck to his guns or made a decision, sucked the guns all the way through, just that the side didn't... Back yeah. it up on the field. It was out of character for him. That's why everyone was surprised. Everyone just assumed that they were going to go back and forth and have plenty of fun. But he, he, he there was that school of thought that he was deferring to his old uh, senior Ranwick teammate. I and uh, I don't think that at all. No. It was out of character anyway. But no. he, he seems to have uh, yeah reverted back to type this week, which is which is all good fun well, for us types. Well, if you talk about method, I, I'm assuming that Hanson's method here is that he doesn't want his team to th- take Australia lightly. So right. he's he's ratcheting up the intensity. He's creating. A, not a siege, but something where they realise this is a real foe and there's some they have to have some intensity about themselves because, you know, after the super season, it'd be really easy for some of these guys to go, well, we're all through these blokes. This is going to be no challenge whatsoever. Yeah. Well, this is the first time in a long time, men, that the Wallabies have faced the All Blacks minus McCaw and minus Carter. What's that likely to do to their mindset, do you think? Hamish? I don't think they'll worry. Genuinely, I don't. I think... McCaw's one of those guys that if you were a teammate and you saw him there, you would feel more confident, clearly. But these guys have played enough rugby, most of them, and been in good teams, whether it's this team or their franchise teams. I don't think that they they lack for belief or any of that sort of carry-on. Reed's an established leader in the team, so it's not like it's a big transition to a rookie or someone who doesn't have the respect of the team. So, no, I think it'll be sweet. Might do more for the Australians that, you know, just... 
make the All Black seem a bit less bulletproof, which um, can't hurt for them. And maybe dealing with the referees as well. Um, of course, certainly mastered that um, over the you know the back end of his career. Kieran, Kieran Reid seems pretty good um, getting his communication right with the referees. So I think that's another big focus for the uh, the Wallabies behind the scenes as well, because Stephen Moore just hasn't been able to get rapport going with referees in the last year or two. So I know Michael Hooper spoke about that during the week. Um, not even sure who the referee is this weekend, Hamish. Do you know who the referee is? No, I don't Let's want to know. Let's pass. It has yeah. to be, doesn't it? I don't want to know who it is. That's my, I, don't, I don't want to see them. I don't want to hear them. I just want some well, guy to be the there. That's the beauty of Joubert. He's just there. He's just around. <laughs> right. He just lets, be, uh, lets him go. <laughs> yeah. Let's him go. You're going to be disappointed, mate. You're going to hear from the referee on, on Saturday. He's yeah. hoping it's not a Northern Hemisphere ref. It just kind of don't it's have good, a feel no, for the yeah, way that some of the teams play. Yeah. Oh, there's a couple, obviously. There's a couple this is good research from us. If there's any listeners out there who know the referees, <laughs> can you please? If the teams aren't named, and you know what? I don't think the referees are named yet either. <laughs> so uh, we'll run with that for the moment. Okay, Sammy, let's get to the nuts and bolts. Give us your tip. Give us your man of the match. Um, yeah. Gun to my head. Hopefully that doesn't come to that. You, you have to go with the All Blacks. But I think it's the sort of 60 40 type game. Um, wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Australia win this one. Uh, man of the match. Look, uh, it's hard to go past Brody Retallick, who seems to play well all the time. So let's uh, let's go with Big Brody, Big Lurch. All Blacks by 10. Ooh. Bowden Barrett. But I, I don't even genuinely don't even know if he's going to start. That I, was that was one we've we've not touched on yet. Will, what's your what's your feeling in terms of minutes that either he or Cruden will get? Who's going to bank the most minutes? Cruden. I have a sick feeling Hanson will in my stomach that Hanson will pick him, and I don't think he should. I think Barrett has absolutely proved beyond beyond any doubt that he's up to just. He can't play really. any better than he has. Seriously, he's nah. just been. Otherworldly, so yeah. Well, the Hurricanes paired their game back completely, and they just decided we won't do things that lose us the game. We'll just defend and defend, and then this guy will win the game on his own, which mm. is what he did in the Super Playoffs. You know what I mean? I, I don't know why you sit that guy. But three on the bounce, in the wet, it's we'll masterful, masterful. Big decisions really. for the Wallabies always at lock. For mine, I think Kane Douglas will be there. Who, who would you pair up in the second row? Sean? Oh, I'd throw, I'd throw Skelton in just to, just to bash him around a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure who I'd throw throwing alongside him, but certainly Skelts. Just He's in a few New Zealand heads, that guy. Definitely would be worth is. picking. Yeah. Well, they I, watch out for him. They, they definitely wear him. Well, that's that's what I think you need when you're playing against the All Blacks. These guys who are going to have the have the All Blacks looking left and right. So when they get over a ball and they're having a shot out of the breakdown and they look up and they see 135 kilos coming at them, they kind of just think, shit, this is going to hurt a touch. So... Yep. I reckon uh, I reckon Skelts can um, potentially unsettle him, so maybe throw him in. And for my tip, I would have the Wallabies by three, and I'm going to go as my man of the match. I will go with someone a little bit different. Ooh. Yeah, I'll go with Stephen Moore. I reckon okay. I reckon he's going to he's going to really aim up and have a good dip at the number two from New Zealand, who will be probably Dane Coles. Okay, for I the wounded Dan Coles. He'll have to take camps. a needle. I don't know how long he'll last, but he'd he'd have to start. If because the other two are, haven't done much. Harris and Taylor, they're pretty raw. Okay, yeah. uh, that's the way I see it going, fellas. And I it's... reckon it's going to be a hell of a game. Point score. Let's let's just wrap it up with total points scored combined. Uh, look, I'm going to go big. I think maybe defences might be uh, slightly rusty after a bit of a hiatus. So um, thirty-eight to thirty-one. 
from All Blacks. And the 47 You've got the 10 point margin there. Yeah, there were 47 points scored last year, is that right, combined? Um, sure. So I'm going to say there's 50 points this year. That's yeah. Yeah. Easy to forget that Australia's actually the rugby championship holders. Are they? Um, yeah. yeah. Are they? Only lost the two holders. games last year, <laughs> mate. They won it, no one, no one noticed. No <laughs> one noticed at all last year. Quite little achievers they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they lost the World Cup final and they lost over in NZ when they got So New Zealand's furiously up. trying to reclaim the rugby championship, but it's a bit of an indictment oh. on that trophy that no one really cares about. It's all about the Bledders, though, isn't it? What does it, it look like? Uh, Hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to say. It's not the cabinet here at Fox Sports. You can have, four, you can have 400 <laughs> rugby championship <laughs> trophies if it means that the Wallabies get to hold the Bledders low for just one year to re ignite the hope and What were you love. doing the, the last time the, the Warriors Mate, won a, the Bledisloe? Were you in a, a that's pub, a great, pub somewhere? That's a great question. It's funny when you have moments that, um, sporting moments that you can trace back to places you were. So 2001 was Kefu's trial. I was sitting in an apartment in Vail, Colorado, the USA, the year after Berkey. I can't remember Berkey. In 2003 was when we lost it, wasn't it? That was the beginning of the end, 2003. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it all went. I can remember being at the SFS at 98 when Burke scored in the last minute. And the yep. Burke's lost five in a row for the first time ever. And popped his shoulder. Burke yeah. popped his shoulder. That yeah, was I, I grew up. My teenage years were uh, yeah littered with Australian victories. It was, John Eels kicking it at Westpac Stadium. John Eels, oh. The John Eels when I was on a bus from Manly Oval to Canberra to take on the Vikings. I uh, watched Eelsie pop that one over on the in-bus in, in bus TV. Are we ever going to see that again? A lock forward kicking goals like he did. It was absolutely brilliant. We need to we need something like that to pop up. Yeah, that'd be handy. Josh Manray can kick good goals, but he's not going to play for the Wallabies again, I wouldn't think. Bongo. But, no. Um, yeah, well, let's hope this weekend delivers you and your team or a letters low moment to cherish and love forever. Um, give me the final, give me the final or the decisive moment of the game, Hamish, before I farewell you and send you back into the touring press pack of the All Blacks. Give me a defining moment of the game. All Blacks hard on their line. Um, sustained period of Wallaby attack. Bone Barrett chip and chase under the bar at the other end. See you later. There you go. Okay. I like that. Were they? What do you got? Oh, Quade's got to be involved, doesn't he? Quade. <laughs> Quade. Quade. For the good? Quade Cooper. Oh, you're going to go the other way, aren't you? He's got to have a good moment at some point. Maybe he doesn't have Richie McCaw to tussle with anymore. Um, no, something Quade's got to happen. It's, it just always does. Yeah, I'm going to tip Matt a piece of Matt Tamua brilliance to seal the game for the Aussies, and and I hope there's a bloke by the name of Christian Lelifano watching on down in Canberra who will yep. cheer long and loud for his good buddy Matt Tamua. So that's what I'm hoping for. Good luck to you, Hamish people. Good luck to you, Sam Wellington, with the All Blacks. That is another hit of the Fox Sports Rugby podcast, all wrapped up, and we'll see you all again next week too. Look ahead. To Do another podcast. Look ahead to Bledisloe too. See you next time. <laughs>